Veteran Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And good morning, gardening friends, on this very wintry day. We've got Bev Daring and John Glidden standing by. And hey, if you call in early, we can spend a lot more time with you. And that number is 94841927. If you prefer to email, gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Don't go to the studio. Don't go anywhere else. Go to that address and you will have our attention straight away. And thanking the dynamic duo, Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton for a lovely start to the weekend. Wonderful music memories played again this morning. And a big cheers to our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, for the update just now. And Jim will be back at 10am with the classic 70s for you. Faya Caro, good morning. Good morning, Ray. How are you? I'm very well. That's what a week. What a great what week. What a week it's been. <laughs> <laughs> it, Another it was, E, just I like just, the other E. I just had a flashback to... Ted Bull doing What A Week It's Been. Yeah, he, I miss that. Yes, he yeah. did it. www. he used to say. <laughs> what A Week It's Been. And he did do a little great rundown on the state of the airports this week on Facebook. I might see if I can oh, bring it up and later. The baggage. And baggage, yes. Well, just Love. he did a What A Week It's Been on the oh, airport I that scene. One. Okay, mm. he's very busy on Facebook, is our Ted. He, he writes is. poetry. He writes all sorts of things. He's very, very clever is, is what he is. All right, now we've got... Grady Brand this morning. 20 past 8, we're chatting with Grady Brand. Now, he's our roving wildflower reporter, if you like. He's a retired curator of Kings Park. He's going to talk about what's out there, and the season is going to be another cracker. Oh, I'd say so. The rains we're having is fantastic. Yeah. You know, Thursday was just a taste of spring. It was divine. Oh, it, it's amazing. A lot of the fruit trees are starting to burst into bud. The sap is flowing in the grapevines and fig trees. So now, folks, is the time to get your winter pruning done because Thursday was like spring. It was a warning. It, it really yeah. was. I threw fertiliser around. You know, yeah. I say feed in spring, but the plants are telling me they're responding to spring-like conditions they're taking up that nutrient and they're they're on the way. Who knows what August will bring? It's it's crazy out there, but plants flowering when they're not meant to be, it's just well, it, it is what it is. There's nothing we could really do about any of that. But Ray, what what do you mean when they're not supposed to be? By the well, calendar, by our by, rules? By 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 the history? Yes, by history, yeah, by it calendar. Doesn't, Nature doesn't work no, that way. Nature no. has its own rules. Yeah. Nature will win. Yeah. Oh, every time. <laughs> and what we think about nature, we probably just need to turn on its head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's, follow, doing... it's following those cues, being in touch, looking at what the plants are doing mm. and where they're up to. Yeah. So sap 
flowing is a sign that they're on the move. Yeah. So this is a time to feed them, yeah. particularly with things like citrus now, because over the last few years we've started to have the the influx of citrus gall wasps. Mm. So having that flush and feeding them now is probably a little bit ahead of their cycle and beating beating them at their game. Mm, so okay. they'd be around for the new growth when yeah. it's a little bit warmer. Yeah. So let's try and get ahead of them. All right. And speaking, I know this call coming through now from Jim and his mango tree. He has a problem and he's a little confused as well. Good morning, Jim. How are you? Oh, good morning. I'm very well, thank you, ladies. Um, uh, good to hear, Jim. Now, I have um, I inherited a mango tree when we moved into a property, but I'm pretty sure it's a Kensington Pride, um, which has been fruiting beautifully for probably 10 years regularly, sort of fruits around about, you know, when the hot weather comes. Yes, yes. Last, uh, two years ago, it started to fruit about now, mm. um, about May kind of thing, May, you know, June. Um, so I thought, oh, well, I'll see what happens. So I'd let it go. And what I ended up with was hundreds and hundreds of uh, fruit, but they only matured to about duck egg size, I guess. Mm. Yes. Okay. So this uh, last year when it did the same, I thought, I'll try something different. So I went through it about this time of year and I cut off all the fruit. All of and it? I cut off, yeah, probably, well, as high as I could reach, I probably cut off maybe 80% of the fruit. Because what happens is it fruits again in November. Mm. It, it, mm. So this year, so last year it fruited again in November, but I didn't get many in comparison to what I normally get. Um, and then I was competing with the possums, but that's another story. Yes, um, yes. So I'm not, and, and it's doing it again this year. So I'm already got um, the little bunches, you know, how they grow in little bunches of grapes kind of thing. Yes. Um, and they're all about bigger than, well, they're bigger than a pinhead sort of thing already. So it's well and truly interesting. You're just talking about the the, uh, the juices flowing in the trees. Yes. But yeah, but it's so it's fruiting again now, and I'm wondering what, what I should be doing with it. Okay, Jim, have you pruned it in the last year or two? Um, probably not. Probably about maybe four years ago. I gave it a good clean up, cleaned the and everything. Okay, so what you've told me is that you you managed with the fruit that you could reach. And so what that tells me is it's quite a big tree. If you've got lots and lots of small fruit, one of the things that you could have done uh, before now would be to bring the size down a little bit. And rather than letting all those fruit develop, uh, one thing that you could do is trim the tree. I'd probably wait until it's a little bit warmer. So I would probably just leave it how it is for right now because yep. you may lose some of that fruit. But perhaps mm. when we get into that warmer cycle, a month or so from now, where we're heading towards warmer weather, we're not going to get as much rain, then you could thin the tree. So you okay. will have less fruit that can develop yep. to bigger fruit. Now, the case right. of fruiting twice is not unheard of in places like India and tropical climates where these trees grow naturally. Right, okay. So right. the other thing is uh, make sure with all fruit trees, uh, trace elements, which can come from something like rock dust, 
your your fertilizer program, which a complete fertilizer with lots of trace elements included, is a great idea. And putting a layer over the soil to insulate the roots. So you could use uh, manures, composted chicken manure. You could use sheep manure. You can use pea straw. And then over the top, I would put chunky mulch. You can also use clay and compost sprinkled around because that'll work its way through. Also a wetting agent to make sure that all that water gets in there and stays in there. Mm-hmm. And the other day I was talking to Chris Oliver and he was telling me that now that they don't have access to water because the water has dried up in their area because of overuse by uh, particular companies that are licensed to take it, yeah. he actually has managed to reduce his watering to fortnightly. Wow. And wow. I went, what? Yeah. What? You think I could do that here? Uh So we are going to talk to Chris Oliver in the upcoming weeks to see what he does and maybe take a leaf out of his book. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It it sure would. But not just taking for granted that that's how it works, but also monitoring. So using monitors to test how much moisture is in the soil. So there's, Hmm. there's lots we can learn from people who are doing wonderful things. Yeah, excellent. All right, I look forward to that, and I'll uh, I'll wait for a month or so, and then I'll give it a bit of a birthday. Okay, sounds great, well, thank Jim. Thank you so much. You're Thanks, welcome. Jim. Cheers for that. Bye. Thanks. Bye now. Yes, I suspect we'll get lots of calls similar to that in, mm. the, in the pursuing weeks and uh, moving for sure. Into August. Yes, it's, it's... so it's it's about um, well, what triggers sap flow, mm. and very much after a dormant period. Wow, did we have a dormant period? Not much. No, and that's the thing. If you look to climates that are warmer year round, what happens? Just because we're used to that cold, wet, dormant winter, things are changing. I felt for years that the the rains that we're getting and the winds actually come later in the year. It's like Mm. the calendar's not quite uh, 12 months anymore. Maybe it's... 12 and a half months and it's just pushing and adjusting the seasons. I mean, the the water flow off our coast has changed. We we now get warm weather species, warm water species down towards Bustleton. Yeah, so the, the currents are changing, the winds are changing, uh, things are out of balance. And as humans, our impact on the environment has a, a big effect on this. The, the temperature that our city creates affects where rain falls. Mm. Fancy that. So mm. Mm. where we remove trees, where we plant trees, maybe we could entertain the thought of doing things a little bit differently. Let's look back to how it was. If if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Exactly. So you look back 100 years, drive down the freeway, that wasn't all paddocks back then. It mm. was trees, it was bush, mm. it was habitat. Mm. Now, the water runs off and where does it go? If it goes into stormwater gra- drains, it's pushed out into the sea. Mm. Yeah, Hello. exactly, exactly. That's it's exactly. us. It's not about what anyone else can do. It's about what we can do on mm-hmm. our own little patch, exactly. doing our best. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. I've got... 
my giveaways this morning the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees and I've also got three bottles of Verigo very grow I should say foliar spray to give away this morning because it's a little bit quiet at this time of the day I think I might give away my three bottles of very go get that right Ray it's just a bit of a tongue twister <laughs> it is. very grow foliar spray okay I have three bottles to give away this morning now you must be a Curtin FM member of course and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days and you would need to collect these bottles from the radio station of course we can't pop those in the mail what is Verigrow? well it's an innovative all-purpose fertilizer and soil improver made from using 100% Australian low-grade wool now wool is a sustainable and rich source of amino acids and Verigrow is an organic and inorganic source of nitrogen the inorganic nitrogen provides an immediate source of nitrogen, while the organic nitrogen provides a slow release and longer lasting effect. You can use Verigrow on everything, including lawns, fruit trees, vegetables, flowers, natives, herbs, and, and more. If you'd like to learn about Verigrow, go to verigrow.com.au. If you'd like to try it, be the third caller through now to Bev on 94841927. Seven. Okay, good luck with that. Now, we have time for another question. We're in Bakers Hill. Trish, good morning. Oh, good morning, girls. How are you going? Yeah, good, thanks, Trish. How are you? Uh, good. Good, well, good. We've, had some, we've got three avocado trees that we usually get heaps of fruit from, but the last two summers have been really hard on them. They have. Mm. And um, I've been... Uh, I've had to prune a lot of them because to get all the dead wood off. Yes. Um, now, what's what's a good uh, pickup to give them? I've put urea on them and uh, blood and bone, uh, a bit <sighs> of cow manure. Okay. Any? Have you used a complete fertilizer at all, Trish? No, I haven't. Okay. So yep. when when you say urea and manures. The thing is, that sounds like a lot of nitrogen. So you'll get a lot right. of leaf growth. Okay. okay. What yep. what fruit trees need in our soils is a boost or a help along with a complete fertilizer. Okay. <laughs> I, I do say this very often: a complete fertilizer that suits flowering and fruiting plants because they right. need not only nitrogen, they need potassium and phosphorus, and a yep. whole plethora of trace elements. Just yeah. in small amounts. So the formulations mm. are designed to deliver pretty much everything that those trees need. And right. I really like the controlled release fertiliser because you can, if at least you put it on twice a year, coinciding with their growth time, which yep. if you're starting to see signs of new growth, now would be yep. a good time to do that. Yeah, they're doing that now. They're okay. even starting to bud up as... Well, there, there you go. Now, you apply fertiliser around the drip zone and then give it layers of, of mulch on top of that, like a good thick yep. layer that's going to help it through summer and maybe top yep. it up later in the year. Yeah, I'm going to put some wetting agent on them this year so the water... Exactly. ...so they retain the water as well. Yep. 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 Every, everything's budding up here. My mango trees, 
the the uh, yeah mulberry trees. Yes, <laughs> yep. amazing, isn't it? It's it's time to feed. Look for the signs on your trees. Yeah. So yeah, yep, get right, out now, to it. Can I buy the complete fertilizer in? Large quantities, not just little tubs. You can go to uh, local stores like your yep. your Landmark, Merco Brothers, um, Stockfeed places. Often, well, yes, they do have it as well, and your local nurseries. Yeah, okay. Well, because we're so far away, we don't have much of a choice up here. So, yep, okay. Then um, I'll um, I'll pop into um, our local Bunnings and see what I can find. Don't get too confused there. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye, Trish. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Cheers for now. Okay. And we don't have a winner yet for our very great products because you must be a Curtin FM member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. If you'd like to win three bottles of very great foliar spray and you are a Curtin FM member... Give Verb a call now and they're yours. Of course, you must be able to collect them. We'll be back in a moment. Radio. 23 minutes after 8, you are listening to Curtain Radio. This is Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. And I can see that the lines have gone crazy for the Very Grow products. Thanks for playing with us, guys. I think Bev will be able to give us a winner shortly. But as promised, we have Grady Brand online. We're talking about a wildflower season, which is all very, very exciting. Grady, good morning. It was Ray and Faye. Good morning, Ray and Faye. <laughs> good morning. Lovely to have you here. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> so you're back in town for a, a pit stop. <laughs> yes, we are. We're back in town at the moment. We've just been down on the south coast, which was very beautiful. Yeah. Oh, what What is happening out there? Is it Has it started? Oh, it definitely has. Yes. <laughs> Look, down in the south coast, as we know, that's sort of the one of those biodiversity hotspots where it flowers all year round. So you could just about call that a, a flowering season that happens twelve months of the year uh, because it's just got plants that accommodate all the the creatures that uh, live for the whole year, like the honey possums and the like. So at the moment down on the south coast, the, the scarlet banksias are flowering beautifully. So they're the bright red uh, banksias, which are probably one of the most famous because there are a few red banksias. So that is looking amazing. At the moment, the hakea cucculatas are really beautiful. And so are the hardened birgias. The whales are migrating. Mm. Yes, and the honey possums are jumping around everywhere, which is very really. So you did you, yeah. you saw them then? I'd have yes. What in the daytime, or do you have to be out early or late? No, <laughs> the honey possums are early morning, so as the sun rises and as the sun sets, and sometimes following uh, rain in the middle of the day, they'll they'll come out, but they're very shy mm. creatures. So you've got to have a lot of patience. And uh, determination to see them, that's for sure. Well, I guess if you were sitting there watching an insect move around a plant, there's a chance that one might catch your eye in the distance, perhaps? Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a waiting game. It's a patience game. As soon as you move, then mm. they're gone. You know, They just uh, have got those instincts in them to uh, 
look after themselves. Wow. So, but yeah, that was very beautiful. So where else have you travelled since we last uh, spoke to you? In the winter, we went to the East Pilbara, so Marble Bar and East, because we, we always loved those natural spaces, because, you know, mm. I think the, the world is being awoken to the importance of the natural world. And, you know, the more you, as a human, you are connected to it, then the benefits of that are just, you know, something that you can't, can't really get from anything else. So... Of course, that is all, always something that I've loved and my partner, Leslie. So we were up there with friends and that was very lovely, paddling on those very beautiful rivers in the in the Pilbara. Oh, so sounds very absolutely Pelicans and mm. all of that sort of stuff. So that was really lovely. Tide okay. Lotus were really beautiful. So that was a lovely time. So campfires at night? Oh, campfires at night, yes, that's for sure. I wonder yeah. how many of our listeners have got memories of camping out in the bush and uh, back in the day before there were public toilet blocks and mm-hmm. rubbish bins everywhere. Well, we're, back in those days, we didn't have a lot of plastics with us, did we? No. No, we didn't. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the coastline, Grady, have you been down the, the coral coast? No, but I have been observing the, the rains and they have been... Pretty consistent. So I would have thought, you know, from because you know, rain equals wildflowers. It does. Uh, the Carnarvon <laughs> Shark Bay, that sort of strip down that there, I think, is probably going to be pretty reliable for, you know, middle of August through for the the ephemerals, which are the everlasting. So mm. I would have thought that would be. Uh, a site for those travelling through or those that just want to go up there. And most of the coastal regions have been pretty good. As we know, we had a little bit of a unusual June, so yeah. that was pretty dry. Yes. So that sort of does put a bit of a spoke in the, the wheel to for the uh, the ephemerals. But look, most of the, the larger shrubs, the hakias and the likes are all okay because there's a, a quite a bit of moisture in the in the soil so so they're all okay and and I think we can all look forward to a pretty good uh, spring wildflower show especially locally there's been some good rains locally so in the hills even in you know Kings Park Banksia Woodland Bowl Park they're all pretty good and and of course you know, you've got the West Australian Botanic Garden that has all the flowers from all over the state. So that's always a, a must to, to go and visit and just see the state's flora. But you've got Wireless Hill in Ardross. Yeah. You've got Alice Brook in, you know, Gosnells and Martin. Brookton Highway, Mount Dale. That's always a, a lovely spot to, to visit in spring. And, of course, the first national park of of WA and John Forrest National Park that's sort of a local local playground for us. Oh, it see. is. And kangaroos and kookaburras up there too? Not that I'm yeah. a big fan of kookaburras, but yeah, you, look, you get all, to see them while you're having your lunch. You do indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's lovely. Look, at the moment, the wattles are pretty well yes. putting on a good show and the native wisteria and the pea flowers and 
Templetonias, Menzies Banks here, probably one of the, the prettiest banks here, Menzies here. That's looking beautiful in the, the banks here, woodland at the moment. So, yeah, look, go and get connected to the natural world and yeah. go on a picnic, I'd say. And what about for people who who can travel and want to go a bit further? How close do we have to be or how far do we have to get away to see some of the, the wow things? Like if you were doing a, a day trip and you could spend a couple of hours doing a loop trail or do you know what I mean? Like you could go yeah. drive as far as three hours and get back in a day. What would you see then? Yeah, well, look, I think I'd probably go up to uh, Mount Lesua, you know, perhaps to the Durian Bay area. For yes. You can yeah. just about do that in a, a day yes. if yes, you set out yeah. early yeah. and do that sort of loop up the coast because that sort of the coast often comes out earlier because it's a little bit warmer. Mm. And then as you go further inland, it comes out a little bit later. So, you know, a coastal loop is always lovely. Um, and even, you know, out to the Chittering Valley in those sort of areas, you come, you go through some some lovely pieces of bushland, you know, out from 2J. Yes. They're yeah. sort of lovely day trips as well. And then one of my other favourites is Boyajin Rock, which is down uh, Pingerly Way, mm. which I think is a, a very lovely day trip, but just a little bit further adds a bit more of adventure for the children climbing the, the big Boyajin Rock. But, you know, I think that's got a lot going for it. So where to next for you, Grady? Where's your Where's your next trip? Well, I, I've been invited to open the Ravensthorpe Wildflower Show. Ah, yes. Which is having its 40th anniversary. So that's in the middle of September, the 12th to the 24th of September. So that seems all pretty special because I remember getting yeah. the wildflowers sent when I first started in Kings Park and Botanic Garden when the wildflower festivals were all cut flowers and farmers used oh, to send yes. them in and in the bad old days. Mm. Uh, but yes, we were sort of, I always sort of feel connected to those uh, country folk who love their wildflowers. So yeah, the group at Ravensthorpe have done a great job over the last 40 years um, displaying the West Australian plants and they're quite a formidable force. So I'm delighted to go down there and get those uh, celebrations underway and I guess now is probably very timely to mention that wildflower picking is illegal so people might go to these shows and they see them all in bars as like there's lots and lots available but in Western Australia wildflowers are protected as they are indeed so if you're in a national park you do not take anything if you're on private land of course you've got to ask the landowners but it's not okay to just take one as a souvenir and there are hefty fines for it. Uh, It's very important to protect what we've got here because if if everyone that went touring picked something, then they're they're interfering with the habitat, the biodiversity, the insects that are there, and then also potentially moving them around. Yeah, that's right. It's an ancient flora and it sort of deserves to be respected and cared for and looked after and we can play our role in doing that by just uh, enjoying it 
everybody's got an iPhone or something similar today and can take amazing photos and enjoy that by sharing that with each other and just, you know, do that. But you can still get close to them and enjoy them and, but, uh, yeah, leave them where you found them. And, of course, the orchids too, you know, I know a lot of people think that, they're, they're easy to grow. Like with a lot of things, you can just dig them up and move them. And Kings Park have got very good at developing orchids for sale. Those in the the bushland, it's not as easy as digging them up and taking them. And of course, highly illegal. But what that can do is just wipe them out forever. Why is it that they don't grow by just being moved from one place to another? Yeah, well, you know, they they sort of where you see them growing in the natural bushland is they've found just the spot where there is a a fungus in the ground that uh, helps them grow, so a mycorrhiza, and it is that association and and I suppose the the seasons they can you know dries out in summer and they're under mulch and that keeps them cool but dry. So trying to actually mimic those conditions in a pot or in your garden is all but impossible. So you end up, if you did do something illegal and transport them to your garden, then normally they would just rot because you give them too much water in summer. Um, So, yeah, look, those sort of plants are for specialists. So if you were lucky enough to purchase one from the Friends of Kings Park, and grow, then there's really specialist instructions on how to grow those at your at your home. But yeah, most of those, you know, we we don't have enough of these natural uh, locations left, so let's just leave them there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, go and get one from the Friends of Kings Park and have mm. a go. For sure. Well, there's a lot to learn with wildflower gardening, and there's such an array of of plants to choose. How many is it we have in Western Australia or Southwest Western oh, 12, Australia? Twelve and a half thousand through the state, roughly. It's phenomenal. Of, mm. Yeah, about well, I don't know seven and a half in the southwest, from you know Kalbarri to to um, Kalgoorlie, then right down to the east of Esperance to Mount Arid or Cape mm. Arid. You know, so in that sort of that's the biodiversity hotspot that all these uh, species grow. But, you know, I'm greatly encouraged when I, now that I've got more time to wander around neighbourhoods, you know, there's a lot of people growing West Australian plants on their verge and in their gardens. So, you know, I think over the last 20 years there's been a really great thing happening throughout Perth. More of a shift, as we, yeah. As mm. we green our verges and as mm. councils let that happen and, you know, there's some very lovely plants and the nursery industry, the Friends of Kings Park have done a great job in pre- uh, presenting, you know, a greater selection, I'd say, of plants that cater for the birds and the insects and just really the natural world. So it's fantastic, I think. It certainly is. Well, Thank you for reporting into us today and uh, I think we'll get you back on in springtime perhaps when you come back for another pit stop and, and see where things are up to and you can tell us about your latest finds. 
the honey possums. Oh, I think yeah. I'd like to go hunting them. Well, no, yeah, not look, hunting, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> viewing, looking. Special. Mm. You know, you can stand on the tracks and just and just admire them. You just, it's a patience game, that is for sure. It took wow. it took me about sixty years to find them. I'll tell you that. But yeah. One, once I found them, I was uh, delighted to see them. Well, it's good to have things like that on your list, your twitching list. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It'll go on mine now. Well, thank yeah, you very you much, Grady. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. You too, Faye. Okay. See you, Ray. See you. Thank you, Grady. You look after yourself. Okay, bye. Cheers bye. for that. All right, and that was Grady Brand, roving wildflower reporter. <laughs> he sounds very zen and very calm, very doesn't relaxed. He? Well, and you—that is what happens when you get out there. Oh, I was thinking that <laughs> you, you can't not. You know, like even mm. in the middle of the day, when things get all too much, go out into your garden. And then the other day, I went out. I can't remember what I was looking for. And I saw birds swooping. I was dumping rubbish on my burn-off pile mm. and I saw swallows, a couple of dozen of them swooping. They were going over the same area. And then while I was out watching them, I then saw some raspberry slime mould taking over a log and then a willy wagtail, a pair of willy wagtails and then a mudlark and another mudlark and a pair of honey eaters came in. Like, it's you can't have your your mind so stressed when you're out there seeing those things correct correct all right now charlie i know you're there we will be back with you on the other side of this your turn to let's talk gardening we're heading straight to yanjabup we are charlie good morning hi charlie good morning morning, ladies how are you ah very good Mm, nice and cold out there today Oh, it's fresh. It's never as cold when there's cloud cover. Yeah. So it's it's very frosty when there are clear skies, though. Yeah. Um, uh, with garlic, um, when uh, it gets near to uh, ready to harvest, is there a, um, a virus that hits them or...? Oh, there should well, there shouldn't be. Sometimes black aphids will come in and and attack them and weaken them. Is your garlic getting ready to harvest? Do you think? Oh, not at the moment, but uh, the last couple of years, when they're almost ready to harvest, they they seem to just curl over and fall over. You know. Okay. Well, when garlic are maturing, the mm. thing to do is turn off the water. And like bulbs, let them die down so that the what's stored in the leaf goes into the bulb and swells the bulb. And my father-in-law used to turn them over, like kink the neck, and that would encourage that. He was an Italian grower and grew garlic every year. So towards the end of the season, water gets turned off, neck gets turned over, well, not snapped, but just bent over. And the energy goes down into the bulb. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I never used to have this problem before, but you know, the last few years, it's just, and then they don't last uh, that long. You know, they, they tend to uh, shrivel up before the, you know, during the during the once you you pull them out. Right. I wonder if they're not quite ready. But have you? 
been growing in the same spot and have you been using fresh garlic or are you using the same garlic from last year? Yeah, well, uh, I save uh, this year for next year. That's what I, I generally yes. do. Right. And then uh, when it's time, I just uh, I hang them up and when it's time, I just uh, separate them and put them into the ground. But I alternate the, the, the ground. I mean, I haven't got a lot of I've just got a backyard um, garden out here in uh, Yangebup. Um And they tend, you know, they were, over the years I had some beautiful garlic, but now uh, when they're ready, they just uh, fall over. Um, okay. Something right. hit them. Charlie, I don't know for sure, but mm. I would say keep doing what you're doing. Uh, just if you can... Between your crops in your ground, do a break cycle. So that might be planting a green manure crop, uh, growing, so after garlic, maybe you might grow leafy greens. So just go through the cycle. And if that does happen again, save the garlic. I now Mm -hmm. have a microscope. So if there's any evidence of a virus or fungal issues, then I might be able to look under the microscope and see what we can detect. Well, would I send it in to you, would I? Or I could maybe collect it. You're not far from me. It'd be interesting to see because, you know, we we might need to go to the next level. There'd be a range of things that potentially could be a problem and then we'd narrow it down. Oh, okay. That'd be great, Hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, Would I be asked another question, please, ladies? Have we got time, Ray? Yep, go ahead. Yeah, um, when would it be time to graft uh, avocados? Oh, I will throw this to John and we'll come back after the news on that, okay? Okay, thanks very much, ladies. <laughs> Good You're welcome, you, Charlie. Okay. Okay, Cheers for bye that. for now. And we do have a winner for our bottles of Very Grow Folius Spray, Raphael in Mount Claremont. Oh, Congratulations, and I hope you enjoy them and report back on what you think too of the product. Let's head to Mandra. Maggie, hello. Oh, hello, dear. Hello, everybody there. Um, I just want to... I've got a pineapple. I had one last year and I I uh, picked it a bit early uh, and it wasn't sweet enough. I'm just wondering this year if I want to get it right. Uh, is there a way of proving, uh, showing that it's ready? It would start to colour up. And, Maggie, it's funny, but I know one year I harvested... A pineapple in midwinter, and I can guarantee it was one of the sweetest pineapples I've ever eaten. Now, who would think mm. that harvesting in Jandakot in winter would would give you that, that result. result? Yes, I don't know, but just watch it. If it's still growing, then you know keep it growing for a bit longer. It's probably slowing down now because of the cold and the wet. But just look for any signs of colour. When they're ready for eating... When you say colour, what? Yellowy colour. Starting to change colour. The thing is, like, you don't want to leave it there to rot, but if the plant is still growing and is happy and the fruit is still growing, leave it as long as you can, but you will get to the point where you look at it and think it's not going to grow anymore... And I don't think it is. I don't think it is. It looks like it's quite full, as big as it's going to get. Okay. Just, yeah, see if you can just wait for a little bit of colour. Yeah, all right. Mm. Okay. So there's, somebody said if you pick 
a leaf out the top or something. Somebody told me that. That's for eating. Yeah. So you would, when you see pineapples in the shop, Mm. they are still green. So you take them home and you, you let them sit for a period of time. Adding a banana to the fruit bowl helps. To, yeah, to I've actually it. put bananas round the outside of the, of the bottom of the of the fruit in the, on the plant. I did that with apples once, and it, and it worked really well. But this time, I put bananas. Yes. Okay. Just yeah. Wait. Wait as long as you can, yeah. and wait for any signs of change. And if you see any colour developing, then and I'm going to ask yeah. John about this too. Like, if there is another sign that I don't know about. Because I just had to use my instinct. Yeah. So if I cut it off and I I can leave it for a bit till I uh, till yes. I can pick the leaf out the top and know it's ready. Well, you'll be able to smell it too. Oh, okay. Yeah, it'll change colour. I've always had good luck with it, but um, I'm in a different house and uh, there's I'm living in the village now, and it's only I've got it against a wall where I can move it. You know, so I've got it in a pot, so okay. I can move it. And, where the sun is, yes. but um, before I had it right out in the open, so it was getting every bit of sun right round, but this one seems to take longer. Mm, and maybe that's why less sun, but being against a wall, it will be giving it the warmth, so that's really good. Yeah, it's on that side where the sun comes up and down, you know. So, <laughs> Well, it goes up one side and down the other. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it, <laughs> it's on the east, east side. Is that what, oh. no, what side is that? The north side? No. What side is the what sign? The sun comes up in the east and then yes. it sort of heads across yes. and then it goes back over to the west. Yes. Okay, so is it on a north wall? So it kind of gets a north it... wall. A north wall. I couldn't think. What that's that's perfect. That's the best spot. Oh yeah, I just wait for for a little bit of yellowing. Oh okay then. Thank you so much for your help. You're well, welcome. it's going to be one enjoyable pineapple, Absolutely. Maggie. Absolutely. Oh, well, the first one, the first couple I got off when I was in the other house was absolutely beautiful. And the last two, I think I've cut them a bit early. And uh, that's they weren't so, as sweet as I wanted them. Mm. So this one's going to be good, I'm sure. Good, Enjoy good. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Cheers. Maggie. Bigger than the one for last year, so I probably didn't wait long enough. Cheers, love. Take care. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Okay. We'll be back shortly. Tattoo Radio. We'll have the news for you coming up at 9am. You are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. Faye. Ray, we Ray. have some emails. Yes, I know. <laughs> and last weekend we had Mark check join us and yes. we talked about tucker bush plants. We did. Now June of Woodvale wrote in and she told us that she was about to plant a new front garden. The area is 10 metres by 5 metres and she'd like to use some pink or mauve flowering native plants, although she's wanting to plant two featured trees, which are the Prunus bleriana. And these are the beautiful pink flowering burgundy leaf plum trees, ornamental. And they're a great pick because they will drop leaves in the winter, yeah, which helps feed the soil. And then it gives you something else to look forward to when those buds burst in spring followed by burgundy foliage so i i think that's just they're a winner and these will be teamed with uh, flowering plants in the garden so i've made a list of performers and favorites from my garden and bushland that might help so at the present moment we've got 
kangaroo paws flowering, little bush gems, pinks, and of course they come in a range of colours. There is thryptamine, which looks stunning at the moment. Beautiful. Small plants uh, that have tight flowers, pinks and mauves, and they're great insect attracting and bird attracting. They make nice little ground covers. So the more ground cover that you've got, the less weeds you've got in between. This is true. Pamelia, rice flower. Now they come in pinks and whites, and they're just a beautiful addition. They uh, rice flower or they attract butterflies too. Schultzia, which flowers more towards the the spring and summer, and that is once again a, a tight flower, but probably a bigger flowering plant than the thryptamine. Swan River Myrtle, Hypercalamum Robustum, and there's varieties like Coconut Ice, so they've got a bit of pink and white, through to mauves and, and pinks. Grevillea, and of course you've got a range of grevilleas from ground covers, tight pink spider-like flowers to much grander species. And of course they're very good bird attracting as well. Melaleuca, little Nessie, is a a lovely shrub with bottle brush-like flowers, Mm. pinky mauve, uh, pincushion hakea and sea urchin hakea, kunzias, and for extra colour, you can add things like paper daisies, brachycombs. So there's lots of annual native flowering plants that you can throw in to fill those gaps while your plants are young and get them off to a good start. And there's another one that does very well, and it's a succulent uh, with the not-so-popular name of pig face, but Camperbrotus. And the native pig face has very beautiful, beautiful purple flowers. Yeah. And they just... Pfft, they love it in summertime. Mm. So mm. if you've got a, a gap that's a bit dry, you want a ground cover, they are the, the ones and they're edible too. So All right. there we go. Thank you for that one. Uh, very extensive list, Fayakara. Well, yep, just sharing my favourites, trying to <laughs> satisfy the listeners. We're in Willerton. Good morning, Cathy. How are you? Oh, good morning. How are you guys? We're very well. Good, Thank thanks, you. Cathy. Um, I deliver for a a florist in the city and um, I walked in to, uh, anyway, I saw this um, bunch of branches with these beautiful uh, bottle brush looking like flowers on that were sort of a lilac colour. And um, when I asked the um, owner, I said, oh, are these... um, bottle brushes and she said no she said they're a cross between a grevillea and a hakea wow yeah they were absolutely gorgeous and i was wondering if uh you guys had heard of them or or knew anything about them only just now so i will get john to to follow this one up for us but it did remind me of uh, a plant they brought out many years ago and it was a verticordia crossed with the Geraldton wax. And that that was a lovely plant that I'm pretty sure was developed and crossed and used in floral arrangements. So, good topic. Okay. Hmm. Oh, and also, um, are hakeas hard to grow? Because um, I absolutely love them, but I've never actually tried growing one. 
they're not hard to grow if they're happy and they don't like a lot of water so they would probably survive on neglect but they're very popular around Perth and a lot of people are having a lot of success so a, a dry area of your garden that doesn't get too much water would be fine yep. oh fantastic mm. thank you so much alright thanks for your call Cathy cheers thank for that you. thank you bye, bye. Okay, and we do have time to squeeze in another email before the news. <laughs> okay. I pulled up these pictures. I don't know why the lady was talking. I wonder. Oh, well, they are hakeers, and yes, they just, they really come into their own at at this time of year. I've got them, a couple that are budding up that mm, were, mm. they're in flower in October, and I got given one for my birthday that's doing very well at the moment. Oh, good. Now, Jeanette from Cardinia sent us in a photo of a problem that she has on the trunk of an apple tree. And she said it's spreading all over the branches yes. and wondered what it what it is. And it did look like what you sometimes see on a frangipani where the trunk is damaged and you've got the aerial roots coming out. And it is, in fact, damage that shows up in the pruning cuts, calluses and burr knots. So these are adventitious aerial roots and they can stunt the tree and limit the phloem and restrict the sugar transport. So because the tree has been damaged at pruning, it's weak and it makes an entry point for pests and diseases. And in the photo there's also showing it is also showing a weak point where there is a V. So where you have two branches that are, are forking in the centre there and people can check the health of their own trees because it's often where leaf litter can catch mm. and if if that builds up that can cause rot and become a weak point and then of course your your tree when it gets heavy can actually split at mm. that point so something to look out for okay thank you for that i think we shall go to the news we shall and return on the other side Heading for a maximum today of 16, right now 11.1 degrees and obviously showers for the day, 1 to 2 mils of rain possible. The minimum overnight will be 7, shower or 2 tomorrow with a maximum of 17 and for Monday the minimum overnight will be 8 and a maximum of 20 showers becoming windy as well and as I mentioned earlier our rainfall so far for July is 148.2 mils which is above our average of 124 mils so we've we've managed to pull our socks up in July haven't we we have and one to two mils of rain expected today well that's not going to stop anyone from gardening so no, no excuses none whatsoever <laughs> yeah so it's but it's cool it's brisk out there but Rug up. Well, that's easy fixed. Yeah. It doesn't take long before you're stripping off layers. I, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. And we have been joined by our researcher, John Glidden. Good, Good morning. morning. Good morning, all. Nice to have you in the studio with us. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, lovely when we arrive here in the morning and John's already here. his papers around, telling yes. us about the rainfall, telling us he's had to adjust it since he did it last night because we've had more rain overnight. So, John, tell us what you, you told me when I arrived this morning. Uh, you, you are talking about my cooking for today, aren't you? Oh, no, or, I'm, or let's rainfall. start with the rainfall. The rainfall, <laughs> uh, I've 
just have to correct Ray that 124 is the average over the past 10 years 10 years yeah which is my records yes <laughs> the uh, bureau's average is 146 146.6 so we're even ahead of that so yeah good news so folks out there John has been keeping records now for 10 years I thought that was rather extraordinary well, I've been doing this show for 11 years now. So. Yes. That's right. extraordinary too. It's just incredible how time flies. It is. You've been integral to us. Thank you. Yes, Thank and you. I think, I can't remember, I think I've, do, I've been doing the show for 13 years or something like that. You, I remember yeah. listening to you doing the show before. Gosh, I'll have to sit and count my fingers and work it all out. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's incredible. Um, it's amazing. Um, a labour of love, is it not? It definitely is. Yes, and we've turned you into a gardener, haven't we? Oh, I wish I could learn a lot more than I am learning. (laughs) And I wish I could put it into practice. Well, you're converting very well, John. Today, (laughs) you've converted, you've been foraging, you've been growing food. Yes, well, all that's growing in my garden at the moment, I've got a wonderful crop of stinging nettles. And knowing, you know, phase loving for using weeds as food, I found a recipe for a nettle pesto. And it mm. smells absolutely... It smells a lot of garlic. Gourmet. <laughs> hey, it's beautiful. But, yeah, so I put it into... A, I made sort of sausage roll type things and tarts with bacon and Gruyere cheese. and Homemade pastry, of course. And uh, even I enjoy them. <laughs> I had a taste test. And they are to die for. And mm. John picked up, because he's a bit of a shopper too, and he's picked up a little, um, I didn't even know you could get them, a sausage roll maker. I didn't so, know of that. The, the, the supermarkets, each of the supermarkets has their own brand. And yeah. the one I picked up was going up for less than half price, which was $10. And it makes four decent-sized sausage rolls. You can either use store-bought pastry, which you know, I, I tend to make my own, and uh, put what, whatever you like in it, sweet, savoury. And I I was really impressed with the results I got from it. So a sausage roll maker? Yes. Okay. It, it's, it's like the uh, Jeff Like a maker. pie maker? No, yeah, mm. like oh. that. But it squashes them out and crimps the edge. And, yeah. And yes, I, I was very impressed with the re- results. Uh, and uh, bacon, cheese and nettle pesto. It yeah. is amazing. And then he's also brought in the little jar of pesto. I oh, know, I smelt That's it. Would that so be nice yum. over pasta as well? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Nettle pappardelle. Uh-huh. You can make your own pasta. Cheap as chips. I don't think there's a recipe you can't find on the internet. This is true. This is <laughs> including true. the Sahara dessert. Including, the, I, I've actually got a list of the things I make. And oh. uh, to, I do try to be seasonal, or and but not traditional so i've got things like um oh, hot cross buns but rum and raisin hot cross buns mm. um peanut butter and jelly slice there's a few things i make now and again like cheese and vegemite scrolls and things like that but i try to find different things to keep me and you interested and well fed <laughs> and mm. well fed Yes. The morning teas here are pretty, pretty special. Pretty, and, yeah. And, of course, in the spare time, you're also coming up with quiz questions and trolling through music tracks, no less. Well, a, a lot of them, have, I have to say, come off the top of my head or I see in passing on Facebook 
Curtain will put up a, this is what we're playing today. I think I know one of the songs by that person who will, that has a line that will make a good question. Wonderful. So, now, John, could you please pass me the notes I have over there? Today I've brought in some lemons and we've pruned the tree and they are Maya lemons. They're not my favourite lemon, actually. They're not lemony enough. But they look orange. <laughs> they do. And some of them are very big. I I got a whole crate of lemons off that one tree. So well, they're a hybrid, aren't they? Half orange is why. Well, let me see. I uh, thought to be a cross between a lemon and an orange. It's a more compact tree, bushier, and produces smaller, sweeter tasting fruit. Well, there's nothing small about the fruits that came off my tree. No. A good one for the lemonade stand rather than setting jams and cooking. Each lemon, which turns a golden colour when ripe, produces plenty of juice, more suited to cooler climates than other lemon varieties. The fruit is mid-size, has a less acidic or sweeter juice with a thin rind. Tree characteristics, it grows to about two metres in height and is perfectly suited to growing in pots, even without dwarf root stock. And Chris Oliver came and pruned my trees this week. Uh, which I was very grateful for. We got yeah. through a lot in one day. Mm. And, of course, the weather this week meant that it got done. The next day it started pouring with yeah. rain. So yeah. he's given me a recipe. And it's 6, 12, 24. Six cups of sugar, 12 lemons sliced, and 24 cups of water in that order. Mix thoroughly. Place in a non-plastic container like a beer fermenter and some of them will have the little, uh, the squiggly thing at the top. As soon as the mixture begins to ferment, sieve and bottle. So there you go. How does that sound? Easy. So I, I went through my garage because my dad used to have a, a beer making kit. Oh. So I've got the big uh, container and I've got the squiggly thing that goes on the top. So if you're fermenting, the bubbles actually move up. You can see when the bubbles are. Otherwise, in a container, you you watch for the bubbles. Okay. So I haven't done it before, but I'm going to. We will to. be sampling mm. in due course. And, and will you be yes. looking into how, how to make it alcoholic? Oh, <laughs> we will see, John. I might handball that bit to you. <laughs> you like to research. So there we go. Well, I don't drink, so I couldn't taste. Oh. So how do you make your pesto, a simple pesto that could go through a pasta or be added to bread scrolls or other things? Well, th this was quite simple. Uh, get your nettles, of course. Uh, this has pine nuts, garlic. Um, and cheese? There's some grated... Parmesan? Uh, that's what the recipe said. I, I used uh, goat cheese, which oh, I okay. love. And, yeah, just blend it up with some olive oil, which, of course, I can't use normal olive oil, so I've got truffle-infused olive oh, oil in there. Yeah, quite right. Love it. I'm, I never quite stick to a recipe. Well, I think we all do that. We have our own yeah. little tweaks here mm. and there, don't we? We, yeah. we zhuzh it up a bit. And you use what you've got. Yeah. You do. And and supposed to have, a like, a tablespoon of lemon juice, which... It was raining too hard to go and get a lemon. So. <laughs> well, you'll be oh, set please. there. A bit of water. I've got a too Eureka hard. and a Lisbon lemon. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, please bring in lemons and we can do a comparison. Yes, for sure. Mm. I know the Lisbon's 
lots of uh, spikes on there. Yes, yes. Mm. But he I haven't bites. Really, haven't really used them enough to mm. uh, to compare the flavours or anything. Mm. Mm. Now, John, I also have to say you do a great job of getting up the podcast every Saturday after we leave here in a very timely fashion. Yes. So if listeners are after recipes they've heard today, they can go to the podcast and and get the information. They sure can. They go to curtainfm.com.au. On the home page, you'll see programs up the top. Click on there. And there's a drop-down bar. Click on Let's Talk Gardening. And uh, when you actually get to that page, there's loads of podcasts there now. And you can scroll up and down on the right-hand side of the page. So just run your little little, uh, mouse uh, on that uh, cursor and uh, you can move the uh, podcasts up and down, of which there are now quite a few. There's well over 100 now. Yeah, good. And and the first one you come to, which I'm leaving as number one and will for another month or so, is the gardening design from Lisa Passmore. That was a great series, wasn't that it? That was. It was. Yeah, no, people have enjoyed that. So, no, excellent. We, as as you know, very much appreciate all you do. Oh, thank you. I, I so enjoy doing Chief this. researcher, <laughs> chief cook, yes. And and not to mention what goes on during the week because it's not just here today, is it? Yeah. Okay. An integral part of the gardening team. Now, if you're out in your gardens today, if you've been growing pumpkins over the summer months, you may find lurking under the weed patch a pumpkin, as did my friend April recently. Right. And she handballed it to me and said, and here is a recipe. So this is April's recipe for, for pumpkin, pumpkin soup. Oh. So one butternut pumpkin, one litre of chicken stock is what I used, curry paste. Yes. And I happen to have uh, half a jar of Massaman curry paste sitting in the sh- fridge, fridge, so I've used that. Cook it all up, add a can of coconut milk, puree and serve. And yeah, it was divine. to die for. It was lovely and thick and creamy with the good golden colour. Mm. So that was, that was a winner. Yes, absolutely is a winner. Pumpkin soup every time. Mm. Well, one of my favourite soups is uh, potato and leek. Yeah. <sighs> but if you substitute half the potato with pumpkin... It makes a delicious soup, really does. Oh wow! Just a just an mm. interesting twist. Yes, yeah, very much so. That sounds. Divine. Everyone's getting hungry. I bet people <laughs> are sitting at home, you know, heading running to their pantries and fridges as I speak. Yeah. Okay. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. This hour, I'll be giving away our bigger trees seventy five dollar gift voucher. We do have time to do a couple of more emails. Okay. This one has come in this morning from Margaret. And she says, Hi, Ray and Faye. I'm wondering what's happening to my limonium. Instead of purple heads, two plants have produced these fluffy heads. I've tried feeding the plant and chopping the flowering stems back, but they've popped up again. One of the plants seems to have produced the fluffy fluffy head and early purple heads that look a bit stunted is... The type is it the type of plant or is there a bug? I suspect that it could be a bug uh, causing distortion to the growth. I would let it develop, but in the meantime, I would probably go out with a magnifying glass and just double check. But if you do let it develop, see how the flower comes out. But I, I do suspect there's a bug there. Yeah, for sure. 
and I've still got a couple of minutes. This is a big one, Ray. This came in from Peter earlier in the month, and he said, Hi, ladies, with the pruning season for roses fast approaching, it was appropriate that you had Mr. Melville on giving advice. Melville, yes. Yes. Interestingly, he debunked the myth that most gardeners seem to sprout. (laughs) Sorry for the pun. And that is leaving an outward-facing bud at the top of each stalk. There is another myth that is perpetuated by so-called gardeners, and that is to cut the stalk at an angle in order to prevent infection from water. In my view, all this does is expose a greater area of the stalk to fungal diseases, and a straight cut is much better because it leaves a less of a surface, surface. area. Yeah. As a matter of interest, my father and I used to do rose budding during the summer months for a number of nurseries and also suppliers, including, I might add, Mr. Melville around 60 years ago. So that would have been Bob's dad because Bob would have been a wee tacker back then when he was just starting out in the nursery game. The method of preparing the buds and actually grafting them onto the stock, normally shown on TV, is very old-fashioned and the method my father and I used from what he'd learned in Italy is far more efficient. Both of us would prepare the buds while sitting down in a shady spot, then him actually grafting them onto the stock and me following up behind, securing the bud with rubber strips imported from Italy. Mm. We would average around 1,600 buds a day, generally finishing around 3 p.m., but one day we managed just over 2,000. I'd like to see how many other budders can do that. So there's a challenge out there to all the listeners. Throw in the, throw in the gauntlet. Of course, being out in the hot sun with your face so close to the ground in the middle of summer is not comfortable. It did help that we used a padded cushion to kneel on with one leg while leaning on the other whilst budding or tying up. Consequently, I retired from this line of seasonal work many years ago. I might do a few at home now and again and I, if I need to update any roses I have. The last lot was when the neighbour gave me a rose called Gift of Grace when my wife Gracie passed away two and a half years ago. I now have quite a few of them as do members of my family. That's a beautiful story Peter. Thank yeah. you for for Insight. sharing and, mm. and memories. History. Lovely. Love it. Okay. Maggie will we be with you in just a moment. Radio. 23 minutes after nine, you're tuned to Ray and Faye and let's talk gardening. And speaking of gardening, well, this speaking is... Speaking uh, lemons. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hi, Maggie. How are you? Oh, hi. I'm good. I'm back again. Um, what I want to tell... What tell um, she, uh, Faye said, don't put it in plastic. But if you haven't got a um, beer maker, yeah. what I do, I've been making it for years, you um, put the sugar in and with a bit of warm water in the bottom of the bucket. You um, dissolve that and then you throw your um, a handful, throw a handful of raisins, separated raisins in. Um, that makes it alcoholic. Oh, um, okay. Then you put your, then you put your, um, you fill the bucket. Then you you cut your lemons in one centimetre slices with the skin on. Yeah. And squash them with your hands so that the juice all comes out and more stuff comes out. Yeah. And then you fill it up to the top uh, with white, cold water. You leave it sit with a little cover over it for not a lid, but a cover, so nothing gets in it. And you um, sit it for until the it gets a mould on top, and all the raisins raise to the top. When oh. then it's ready. 
It, it warm weather, it goes quicker. Cold weather, it takes a little longer. How There's, long does it take, Maggie? Well, only about in the in the summer, it only takes a couple of days. But oh. Four or five, four or five days if it's cold. Gee. Not okay. much longer. Not much longer, but I put it, I used to sit it in my pantry and and, uh, and then they'd raise to the top, it's ready to thing. You strain it in muslin twice into another bucket and then you pour that in, it, take, it makes six bottles. Wow. And you've got to put them in plastic bottles because the glass bottle will explode. Oh. And when the bottle gets as hard as a rock, sit it somewhere in the dark, uh, in a dark cupboard at the bottom, and when the bottles are as hard as glass, they're ready. Wow, okay. I'm glad this is all on... the lemonade you will ever take. And I tell you what, we had a gardener, a a a bobcat bloke come in, I think it was in our yard, and it was very hot weather. And I said, here, have a drink of this. Well, he said to me, what is in that? I think I'm falling off the bobcat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But oh. it really is a beautiful, it's a beautiful drink. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds absolutely oh, I think the, the sugar sales are going to. One, yeah, if you haven't got one of those things, you know, by beer mm. makers, um, it's, much, it's a much easier way to do it. In a bucket? In a plastic bucket. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, I think the sugar sales are going up this week. I reckon yeah. there'll be a lot of people making lemonade. Yeah, I'm not sure if my my recipe has as much sugar as yours, but um, it, it could have. How much did you say? Uh, it was six cups of sugar to 12 lemons and 24 cups of water. Oh, no, six, no. 12, 24. Oh, no. I know. I think I, I only put four lemons in, four quite large lemons. That's all you need. Oh, right. You don't need all those lemons. You probably do if you're not putting the uh, uh, raisins in. But I only use ever four, four lemons at the most. Hmm. Divine. Sounds gorgeous. Yeah. Can't that wait, Faye. <laughs> no pressure. Absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Oh, good. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Maggie. We appreciate very much. Yeah, because I thought a lot of people won't have a beer maker. Uh, no. No. No, I and don't. It must have plastic. It must be plastic. Oh, it must be plastic. I think it Chris must said be, not plastic. Not plastic. Yeah, it, did, it, it must be plastic bottles. You can't put it oh. in a glass. Okay, but it will yeah, explode. I, do it in a, I, put, I buy, always have a new bucket and I always do it in a plastic bucket. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Thank you very okay. much for that, Maggie. Good day. Thanks so much. Cheers okay. for that. Bye. Bye. Well, there you go. Can't wait. No pressure. <laughs> What'd she say? Four or five days. Yeah. So yeah. Should be I'm ready amazed. by next weekend. Yes. So shall I carry on with yes, the please. events, Ray? Yes, please. All right. So in today's paper, if you're looking for more information mm. on wildflowers, how but, timely is it? They've actually printed a little program. They did that for us. <laughs> they did. I didn't know this was going to be in, but I just in my waters, I felt it's time to start talking about wildflower season. season. So, not for a while, but September 2nd to the 9th is New Wattle Week. Further in Perengery is the 2nd and 3rd of September. As Grady mentioned, the Ravensthorpe Wildflower Show is September the 12th to the 24th. Further in Ravensthorpe is the 16th and 17th of September. And the Esperance Wildflower Festival is the 20th to the 24th. 
So dates for your diaries, There's a folks. lot coming up. Mm. Mm. Coming up on the 13th and 14th of August is the South Eastern Orchid Society Annual Show and State Orchid Championship at the Cannington Exhibition Hall. So they will have on offer orchids and bonsai, cactus and succulents, African violets, ferns and more. When will that so, be again? Uh, not till the 13th and 14th. So we'll give reminders in the, the coming weeks. And Open Gardens WA have uh, two events, an evening with Matthew Evans and a morning tea with Matthew Evans. I think tickets are selling fast. So these events are to be held on the 19th and 20th of August and uh, further details are available on the Open Gardens website. So an evening with Matthew Evans and he's written the book Soil. He has. I have it. Mm. And have you had a read, Ray? Uh, Pages. I haven't read it all through. Mm. Very, very interesting. Soil is fascinating. Yeah. The the zoo beneath our feet. Yes, we love that. So... Uh, there's a, a meal on offer put together by the Slow Food Organisation. That's on the Friday night. And the morning tea from 10.30 on the Saturday morning. So Bev and I have got our tickets and we're going to race off to that three weeks from now. Yeah. Uh, just a, another mention for this event in Kawaramup at the Kawaramup Hall. And it is on Saturday the 6th of August so another week armchair gardening and it's presented by the Mediterranean Gardening Margaret River so they have the non-predictable garden and this is uh, Stephen Ryan and he has a history of horticultural nurseries he used to be on Gardening Australia Yes, they weren't on last night I know. I don't know know why. Anyway, they've got Lisa Passmore, who, as John mentioned, uh, did with us a basic introduction to garden design. So she will be there as their guest speaker. I'd like to know what armchair gardening is all about. (laughs) Sit back and learn all about it. So Mediterranean Gardening, Margaret River. And I think... But wait, there's more? Goodness, that's just almost too much. There's so much coming up, right? That's you that need is, to you yes. need to clear your clear your diaries because, well, you know, August September it's, it's all nearly happening. spring. Yeah. and to sit down hard. Are you ready for this, Ray? To sit down hard on an upturned tack is the sign of an early spring. Yeah, spring, all right. <laughs> Six foot into the air. All right, let's head to Belden. Lena, good morning. Oh, good morning um, to both of you. Um, I'd like to ask. Please, I have two questions. One is, um, I was going to try and do some cuttings from my David Austin roses, and I just wondered what soil I would put them in to get them to strike. Hmm. Well, well, how would I get them to strike? I wonder what they do. Do I, I think? Did they used to put them in sawdust, Ray? Do you remember that when they were bare? They do use sawdust, yeah, yeah. for bare-rooted so stock. Not that that's necessarily the only thing. Uh, there are light mixes like a seed-raising mix. Mm. I think the main thing is so that they're away from the light. So anything that goes below ground will develop roots and anything above ground should develop shoots. So you could use a sand 
Uh, you could use a seed raising mix, like from the, the hardware nursery stores. You can get a block, a mm. coir block, and you put it in a bucket and it swells. So something like that you could use. It's only until it develops roots and at some point after that you would pot it on. Mm. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you for that information. I'll try that. Um, and the other thing I was going to ask you is my um, arborist came and uh, pruned all my citrus trees, or just partly pruned them, and he found one of my man- my clementine mandarin tree had gall wasp on it. Yeah. For the first time in such a long time. Mm. Anyway, we managed to prune most of it off, and he suggested I spray it with eco oil and copper mix on it. And I just wondered, is that the best thing? Is that I'm trying to keep an organic garden. Is that bad? Mm. Is that well, not- certainly. I mean, these are these are natural sprays, and I I'm probably along the same lines as you, Lena. I I have no trouble using eco oil when I need to, and a copper spray is a good fungicide. However. The fungi in the soil aren't going to be happy with it. So I know that Chris's suggestion, for example, on grapes, very important to spray grapes. And he would, well, the recommendation used to be to spray now, like after you've done your pruning, copper spray into the crevices and cracks because that does help with fungus and also pests. But when your leaves come on, if there's any sign of mildew or fungus on your leaves, then spot spraying. Right. So eco-oil is is good for pests. I I think it's a good recommendation and it certainly will prevent a lot of problems or help to prevent and minimise problems. I just wouldn't spray it to the point of runoff so that it goes into the soil. So target spraying would be a good idea. And mixing them together? I'm not sure yeah, mix- about that. I yeah. I don't think I would do that because I would probably spray them at different times. Oh, and, okay. and John came in too and he, he's he been watching Facebook too much. He said, uh, your rose cutting, put it in, stick it into a potato. Because oh, sometimes yeah. we've seen <laughs> that. Seen I, that. I don't know if it's worked. Someone will ring us in and tell us it has. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, this, this is the thing. What I don't like to do is just proliferate things that have been seen. Yeah. It'd be nice to know if it is a valid uh, solution. Theory, mm. yes. Yeah, so, and so it's like the only thing that I can use for gall wasps, is it? Well, the other thing I would fertilize now because they are on the move and I did fertilize mine this week after they were pruned because you get that that flush now ahead yeah. of the gall wasps being um, moving around right so, so I've actually fertilized them I've used some of that um, soil solver with um, some potassium and some um, animal manure Okay. All that nice. What else could I use? Well, I, I this time have used an MPK because I bought that okay. some time back, but I would normally use a controlled release. 
The reason yeah. I haven't used the controlled release right now is because I don't think it would release now because I think it's too cold yeah. in the soil. Mm. But I've given them a feed now because the sap is flowing in my figs, my grapes uh, and my citrus. They're on the move. Yeah. And then yeah. come spring, you know, the calendar spring, then I yeah. will give them the controlled release at a lighter dose to keep them going. Oh, that's lovely. I'll do that. And um, can you recommend a slow release that's organic? A slow release fertilizer. There are organic. There are brands. Well, mm, that's a bit tricky. I don't know that I can. Yeah, I know. There's not much that. But the um, chemical ones, they're natural yeah. chemicals. Okay. Okay. They're just produced in a in a factory, but they're designed for fruit trees. That you yes. won't get the organic certification, but you won't be harming the environment by environment okay. by doing them. Be no. it's sort of a a uh, a compromise. Yeah, fair enough. Because otherwise. They don't get enough of the nutrients they, to build the no. strength in the tree. Well, you can use foliar sprays yeah. and liquids, mm. but it's harder to do that. It takes longer. Whereas you, if you've got a bucket of controlled release, it's going yeah. to move slowly. You're giving the plants everything they need and it won't take you as long and you don't have to do anything for you know another six weeks or more. Yes, I think that sounds yeah. pretty good. Thanks, oh. Lena. And also, if you want more information about the citrus gall wasp, DPERD, the website DPERD, have some really great information on there about managing citrus gall wasp as well. Oh, lovely. Thank you so much. And you do such a wonderful service by having that show and helping us all and teaching us how to do better in our garden. Thank we, you. We do try. <laughs> We're you. always trying to do better, aren't we? Thank you, Lena. <laughs> thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, see you. All right, excuse my voice. Here I go again. Let me see. We can we can do this. We've got Karen. Hello. Yes. Good morning. Uh, I'm not having problem with gold boss. Hundreds other problems, but I don't bring it up at the moment. I have to send in some photographs. Okay. I didn't want to overwhelm you with that. <laughs> By the way, I've tried out um, the rose cutting in a in a potato. potato. Mm -hmm. it, at first, it seemed to be alright, but then it was it didn't look very happy, so I didn't carry on with it. So, but it maybe it maybe the potato was not right or whatever. I don't know. Um, what my question actually, I have got plant. I planted some uh, uh, potatoes. They were not seed potatoes. They were just potatoes which were over outgrown. Um, there was. Uh, I have I have put in the ground some some uh, white potatoes and also some sweet potatoes. Now that's a while ago. That's a, a few months ago. When can I harvest them? I have got these sweet potatoes. Have millions of long runners, five five six meters long. And uh, the other potatoes have lots and lots of greenery. Okay. So your sweet potatoes, they're really two different crops. Go through your sweet potatoes with a shovel and okay. chomp through the vines, pushing the stems down into the ground. And then uh, okay. give them something like a potato e-manure fertilizer. 
okay? And what that okay. will do is help them develop bigger tubers. They do take quite a while. They will grow quite well in, in unimproved soil, but they do need uh, some, some complete fertiliser. Uh-huh. So I cut I cut the runners off. They look they look beautiful, even though they get attacked by these uh, I don't by, by the caterpillars, hairy mm. black caterpillars. Yeah. But the, so I can cut them off. Uh, good. Well, yeah, but what you're doing, Karen, is you're mm-hmm. cutting and putting the stems into the ground because yeah, that yeah, is yeah, where okay. the tubers will form. You can mm-hmm. bandicoot down where you planted that first one. Have a feel. Go down about mm, probably. Eight to ten inches, okay. and and see if you can feel anything that's swollen. You okay, you might okay. find some mm-hmm. tubers now. With your normal potatoes, what I want you to do is mound up against the stem, and give a okay. side dressing of something like potato e manure, which is a, a granular fertilizer. Okay, great. It's the first time I've tried to, to, to plant potatoes, to grow potatoes. So, um, okay, do they, how long do they usually take? I have months, no idea. Months, probably six <laughs> months. And you can oh, harvest okay. the potatoes when the plants start dying down. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, great. Thanks, Karen. Thanks a lot. I'll do that. And, and by the way, they, they have stopped the uh, gardening show on ABC for, for the winter. That's what cost us. Oh, okay. I'm, just, I'm just reading. Uh, Bev put up for us that they're in recess until the 19th of August. Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. Okay, thank you very much, ladies. Thanks, Karen. Thank Cheers for that. Thank you. Okay, bye. Okay, 94841927. Back in a moment. Cotton Radio. You're with Ray and Faye. So how would you like to go shopping? I've got a $75 gift voucher for you from Bigger Trees in Pickering Brook. Now, what could you get for your voucher? Well, mm, Bigger Trees specialise in frangies, ornamental and fruit trees. The citrus is still fruiting and there's some beautiful blossoms appearing on their stone fruit already. And camellias, azaleas still showing lovely blooms and I saw some pretty camellia pictures on their Facebook during the week and uh, if you'd like to take a look go to the Bigger Trees Facebook and see all the different varieties it really is uh, breathtaking so you can find out more by going to biggertrees.com.au so okay your shopping experience will be very very exciting $75 gift voucher off a grab you must be a Curtin FM member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days okay here's your question in the frank sinatra song high hopes what is the little old ant trying to move in the france frank sinatra song high hopes what is the little old ant trying to move give beb a call on 94841927 meanwhile we're talking bandicoots we're in winthrop susan hi hello how are you well i'm well good um, I love bandicoots. Yeah. We live opposite Piney Lakes Reserve, and they've decided that our front garden, which is on the corner, is the place to feed at the moment. Nice. And <laughs> well, it is nice, but um, they're putting their snouts down now to almost. Uh, centimetres and they're digging up my baby 
plants that I've planted which are very special to me because some of them are rare that I got from the Kings Park sales. So I wondered, I don't want to deter them as such, but I wondered, is there anything safe that I could bury in the ground away from um, my plants? that they would be allowed to eat because I don't really know what their dirt is. Okay, so they're probably digging. They're going for gold at the moment. and they are. Yes. So there's little underground truffles and fungi and insects in the soil. That's what they're going for. What I would do for your special plants is make wire cages of chicken oh, okay. chicken yeah, mesh that. and that way you can make them as big as you need to so maybe 30 centimeters across yeah and yeah. and protect your plants it's really only until they get established and then that the plants will be able to cope yeah they just honestly i can't believe how much um they're digging well yeah, bling things. I was hoping you were going to say that I could give them worms from my worm farm, but obviously <laughs> they'll, not. They'll find their own, Susan. Okay. <laughs> Thanks anyway, and I'll try it. Yes, okay. Yep, make some okay. barriers. <laughs> yes. Okay. Bye. Good Bye. on you, Susan. Cheers for that. Okay, and whilst our competition is running, would you like to hear... High hopes. Yes, yes. Okay, let's do it. Hope you enjoyed that. That was Frank Sinatra, of course, with High Hopes. And we do have a winner of our $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees, Heather of Waikiki. Congratulations. That will be in the mail to you this week. And do let us know what you get for that. We do love to know. And, of course, the answer to the question in the Frank Sinatra song, High Hopes, what is the little old ant trying to move? The answer is a rubber tree plant. <laughs> I I do love this because John has me searching for lyrics and bopping along to the song. So if you've never understood the lyrics, I just love the first paragraph. It starts off with, Next time you're found with your chin on the ground, there's a lot to be learned, so look around. And I got sent a photo of myself yesterday laying on this mud hard clay pan videoing burrowing bees from last year and yeah. it's, it's just like that next time you're found with your chin on the ground it was just so funny and just what makes that little old ant think that he'll move the rubber tree plant great great little song very very uh happy as as well okay so we have about 10 minutes left of the show you can still give us a call if you like we'll be back in a moment Thank you for your company this morning. We appreciate very much. You're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. So, Ray, last weekend we had a call from Nissa and and it reminded me of an email that she sent some time ago and she was looking for a little bit of advice. At the time I felt a bit stumped on, on what to suggest, but I had another look last night and she was after a hedge for the front of the property it looks like the garden bed is probably 80 centimetres to a metre wide and probably gets a lot of full sun. So I was thinking water-wise, maybe edible and something that 
attracts insects. So, of course, one of the best and easiest to grow hedges is rosemary. And that comes in a range of colours. It's edible. It will grow to a metre to a metre and a half, which is what she's after. And it doesn't require too much pruning. But the flowers you can get in pinks to blues and Mm. even quite a dark blue. And what you can also do is harvest some of the long stems and turn them into skewers. Yeah, that's so always lovely. So you can pick about a, a 10 to 12 inch or 30 centimetre length, mm. leave the leaf or the tip there on the end and just pull away all the leaves down the stem and then you can skewer lamb mm. and use the, the rosemary as your skewers. Yeah, yeah. So... Other suggestions for the same area. Lavender, of course, is an old favourite. Once again, lots of different varieties. And that's starting to look really lovely too. Yes. The the other thing about the rosemary is that it will attract uh, blue-banded bees and and potentially as well reed bees. Mm. Now, there's also native rosemary, which are Westringia and a few varieties of that. There's lily pillies and there's grevilleas. Yes. I would probably add to to most areas clay and compost in my planting hole mm. to help hold moisture and nutrients. Uh, she also has an area that is quite shady and it looks like there's a, a strip between a patio area or an alfresco area and the neighbour's garage wall, which looks like a painted brick wall. There's a raised planter bed and there's a strip of of maybe lawn or fake turf. I wonder about taking some of that up and putting a tree, a feature tree in the centre and then you could put some grassy plants around it and then you could plant into the raised bed spillover plants like maybe grevilleas and there's quite a range of shade-tolerant plants mm. and then something against the, the fence. So... Different layers will bring in birds yeah. uh, as perches, flowering plants, grasses. So you get that movement and you can actually add a lot of plants in that area that make it inviting so that you don't have to look at that wall. So yeah. I hope that helps. Oh, I think you've gone above and beyond. Thank you very well, much. Well, i got my mojo happening. and <laughs> You know, it's easier when things flow. Oh, yes, indeed. All right. We're in Mandra. Shirley, Hello. Hello, good morning ladies, been enjoying the show. Oh, thanks, and Shirley. as a minute left or a minute or two, I thought I'd ask about my pink lady apple. Um, I've got them planted along a narrow garden bed and they're quite a few years old. I've been training the high tall branches down over an archway uh, to make it an apple alley to walk under. Oh, but sounds divine. Absolutely. And um, what's happened is Gradually, they've been getting uh, looking sick, and the bark's been peeling off. Now, I don't know if it was a very hot summer and they got a bit dry, or if it could be a disease. Mm. Um, I did notice the apples had something bore into them, uh, but I couldn't see an insect. Okay, uh, no. And if you do have something that bores into them, then you you won't see the insect. It may well be inside. Now, the pot, polyphagus shot hole borer yes. has a host of around 400 different trees. Generally, 
much larger trunks than than small trunks. So yeah. older trees would be targeted. If you see a series of holes running up the tree and you might see evidence, say, on an avocado of sugar volcanoes or you might see swarf and some black staining, then that will need further investigation. So just look for, for any of those signs. Um, so You know, bark, when you say peeling, is it just lifting or is it does it look damaged? The tree looks quite sick and it's actually fallen over this winter to oh. some degree. Okay, That's, that sounds a bit worse again. And potentially, I think it, it might be more of a root problem. If it's falling over, then something's happened in the ground, like the roots have been compromised, they might be rotting uh, or something, something secondary. If it's had borers in there... You know, there's a chance that white ants might get in there after that. I think you might need to do a bit more investigation. If you can send us any photos, Shirley, that might help. All right. I will try and do that. And um, I will try and save the tree because it bears a lot of pink lady apples, which are lovely. Right. Um, yes. I mean, what I think that. is... Um, between what you know and, say, someone like Chris Oliver who can can save trees or do some sort of tree surgery once we know what the problem is. Trees can be saved if they're treated in a particular way, depending on what the problem is. Thank you. That's good advice. Um, can I just say thank you to both and uh, also... Happy gardening, Mandra ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Shirley. Big shout-out to Mandra. Bye-bye. Good on you, okay. Shirley. Bye for now. Curtain Radio has a big following in Mandurah. We know that and uh, we appreciate it. Now, could you just quickly repeat the details of the Orchid Show coming up in August? The South Eastern Orchid Show. It's at the Cannington Exhibition Centre, Cannington Showgrounds, and uh, 13th and 14th of August, Cannington Exhibition Hall, a range of plants on offer an annual show, and orchid championship. Okay, brilliant. Now, I don't know if you wanted to talk about Leslie. Leslie Bullsbrook phoned in about can wanting to know, can lime sulphur from roses affect gerberas? And we don't believe so. Gerberas can get a, a fungal disease, and if that's the case, I would remove away any dying diseased leaves, mm. make sure that the plant's got good drainage and sunlight and airflow, and I would probably look at treating it with an eco-fungicide. That may help. Thank you very much. Okay, time to wrap up. Bev Daring, John Glidden, thank you, guys. Thank you, Fayakaro. Coming up next is Jim Crinan uh, with the classic 70s and then Brendan T and Born in Boots. My gardenism for the morning is a day without gardening is like, just kidding, we've got no <laughs> idea. Happy gardening, everyone. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.